Ignition sequence start. Welcome to the Selected Podcast, brought to you by Sesimers, the social network for tech events. Hi there, this is Ben from Sesimers, recording live in Helsinki during Slush 2022 for the Selected Podcast, covering everything from entrepreneurship, investment, culture, politics, and events. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform so you get the next episodes. Now let's get started. We're meeting with John Dutton, the head of Uplink and member of the executive committee for the World Economic Forum. Previously, John also served as the head of the Forum Foundations and head of the Forum of Young Global Leaders, also at the Forum. Uplink is an open innovation platform that creates bridges for entrepreneurs to connect with the investors, corporate partners, experts, and other organizations they need to scale. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Yeah, it's great to be here. My first slush. Your first slush. So how do you, what do you think so far? What's your experience compared to World Economic Forum? A lot younger, I'd say, as a first start. Certainly a lot more dynamic. No, but it's, uh, it's great to be here. And uh, I actually discovered the Finnish innovation ecosystem in April. Had a bit of a discovery trip. Got to meet some of the, the universities that are involved, some of the startups, some of the, um, let's say, uh, incubators and accelerators and investors. So this was uh, the logical next step was to come and check out Slush. Amazing. Tell us a bit more about your background. Uh, what are you doing and what is your work at uh, the World Economic Forum? Yeah, thanks. And it's it's a real pleasure to be here with you today, Ben. I, I've been working at the World Economic Forum for uh, almost 15 years, uh, focused on building communities of impact, uh, primarily looking to help the young leaders yeah. and the foundations that we have there, also our social entrepreneurs. Um, and just at the onset of, of the COVID pandemic, I was asked to take on a new initiative that we were starting that was focused on supporting entrepreneurs who have a purpose to what they're trying to achieve. So uh, long history, putting together events and communities, trying to facilitate impact, um, and uh, in general, uh, trying to uh, see how we can connect people to do more good in the world. Um, that's amazing. Uh, we're going to go a bit more into the details afterwards. Uh, maybe people don't know what is the uh, young global leader thing. Like if you go on LinkedIn, maybe if you're working in the event industry, you're dealing with like great speakers, young entrepreneurs, under 30s already like doing great things. You might see in their bio like the, the you know, YGF thing. So what is that? So YGL, in fact, it's YGL, interesting. Sorry. They like... They like to be known better as YGL, the Young Global Leaders. But no, it's a community of uh, young leaders who have already achieved quite a bit. Uh, it's a great mix across society from uh, CEOs, members of parliament, uh, journalists, academics, uh, but also, um, you know, change makers, people that are, are at the, the cutting edge of, of social entrepreneurship uh, and quite a few entrepreneurs um, and investors. So it's been a it was a nice way for me to begin to get to know that that startup scene. Uh, there were a number of, of people that have gone and, and had that scale up as part of their career. Mm -hmm. um, but it's in general kind of a, a global movement of young people that uh, and the forums trying to support their leadership development. What, what so. is young? Young is not the, as young as it used to be. Uh, when I first started, you know, the World Economic Forum thought of the 30s as being young. So uh, young global leaders support people uh, that are selected under the age of 40. Okay. Uh, we also have a group of uh, global shapers in their 20s uh, that we look to empower in 500 different city hubs around the world called um, yeah, the Global Shapers Communities. In, here in Helsinki, there's a great uh, group of, of young people that are trying to make change happen in their local environment. So... You know, from the World Economic Forum side, 
It's the International Organization for Public-Private Collaboration, uh, and we really do care deeply about trying to get on the ground and, and supporting uh, action. Um, and so these young communities, but also our, our Schwab Foundation for Social Entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. are headed in that direction. And uh, the logical next step in some ways was how could we create a digital platform to support uh, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands or millions of startups. I was about to get into this because um, when you tell me about communities or hubs, I have to ask, and we're here in Helsinki at a startup conference, what was the technology, uh, quote unquote, behind the, you know, the, the those communities before Uplink? What was it, like a, a newsletter, like a, mm. a portal, like a forum online? Oh, the good old days before uh, yeah, WhatsApp. Well, what, and exactly. before. Oh, is it a WhatsApp group? Like, uh, you know, what is it? It's been interesting. We have, we have shots in our headquarters of uh, our, our chairman and founder, Klaus Schwab, with images of a computer screen from uh, the 1981 World Economic Forum meeting. And he's been trying to build up a digital community for decades. I um, could imagine. Yeah. And so um, th- these young communities actually leverage the, the platform that the World Economic Forum has. Uh, it's a, a private environment where people can connect. Uh, it, it doesn't hit all of their needs. And so in, in the end, a, l- a lot of times they end up using other platforms, WhatsApp, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. On their own. On like their it's own, outside of the scope of the Outside of the scope yeah. of the forum. But it's one in which we, you know, we try to make the, the ways and uh, help them help themselves, if you will. Of course. And also, uh, I guess that's uh, in different geographies, uh, different you know, platforms are more popular than others and so on. Completely. And the, the forum has been really trying to, over the last few decades, also get into Asia. And you can see that they, yeah. they, they have different needs, different uh, aspects of privacy that are important, uh, depending on where you are in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, it's been it's been interesting kind of dynamic of trying to what do you offer for these communities when it comes to digital interaction and what do they need on their own? Now, I would say that the one thing that has been a constant in all that, and I know your background is also in this space, is the event software and the uh, the forum's event app and the event mm-hmm. uh, digital yeah. platform has been one of the strongest things that we've had, both in terms of navigating your agenda in a way that you do here at Slush, but also meeting people, making, uh, designing, that, and organizing meetings. Did and, you build that internally? And that's that's been when? built. Um, it's been it's been decades that we've had this. In in the good old days, you used to actually bring your badge up to a console, uh, like a, a booth, and you'd, you'd press your badge against it, and you'd organize your event on this on this booth in, in all of the hotels and on the Congress oh, Center. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Can, I, I imagine what it so is. So you yeah. could do it online, of course, but then once you were in sight, uh, you, you had to use these kiosks, right? Yes, kiosks, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, is it like, sorry, I, but I feel like I have to ask this question. I've dealt with some uh, leadership forum organizers, and the profile of your regular attendee and now I guess it's different, but maybe like 10 or 15 years ago, will be someone who didn't have the time or even maybe some of them didn't have the interest or knowledge to go into a mobile app or stuff like that. So you had those kiosks for them, right? We had the kiosks for them, but also it's interesting that you say that because the when we designed also the software and the app, you had to think about who's going to help the CEO, who's going to help the chairman yeah. to who's navigate the, yeah, there. And yeah. so, so you have to design the, the ability for their executive assistant yeah, or an operational contact to have access mm-hmm. uh, through a secure channel to be able to, to organize some of those things. Love it. You know, that's uh, one of the things that we learned ourselves operating uh, some of our so, um, pre-COVID. We would have clients that we, that we kind of chaperone. Like yeah. we, we organize their schedule, right? And we're starting to see it again now that events are back. But that was one of our activity 
that was pretty nice pre pre COVID because um, you get to work with very busy people, and that problem that you were solving with your so- solving with your software, we were trying to get the shortcut like uh, on our own. How can we use existing event software to handle the agenda of someone else? Mm-hmm. Right, and it's and yet at the same time the magic, and I guess it's a som- somewhat similar when you get here. The magic of of Davos in a lot of ways is that you come into the Congress Center and all of a sudden none of the None of the the chaperones, none of the the people that are gatekeepers are actually there. So it's actually, you get back to kind of the origin of people to people. And when I had some amazing, inspiring moments with leaders that might just be in the bathroom or, um, (laughs) you know, before or after sessions that we were organizing, uh, uh, one of the stands out, we had a a session that uh, that was looking at at dignity. Uh, There was an initiative of YGL that was... uh, uh, trying to promote global dignity, and and we ended up having uh, Peter Gabriel and Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and Peter Gabriel s- sang a song in honor of Desmond Tutu, in a way that you know you'd never think to have access to something like that. For sure. Um, so anyway, I, I I digress a little bit, but no, but um, that's fascinating, and uh, that was definitely a story I I can Im- I relate to. How many people are attending the forum in person on a typical year? Typical year, there's around uh, between. 2,500 and 300 official delegates. Yes, yes. Um, uh, you know, there's going to be um, some element of, of support staff that are around some of the government leaders, and uh, each each of our, our, our partners has a, a select few uh, badges on, on top of that. So there's maybe another 700 to 1,000 um, people that are attending uh, in support of those uh, those leaders. Uh, and then what's actually interesting is that outside of that, I know outside is crazy. There's t- tens of thousands yes, of people that are yeah, coming. I don't course. know where they sleep. <laughs> uh, they might have to go back down to Zurich to find a hotel room. Um, but it's uh, it's been a really nice to see. And it's you know the last couple of years, um, particularly this May when we relaunched after COVID, there's such a desire for purpose driven people to come and interact in this ecosystem. And so I think that's that's really an exciting part of what we're trying to do. Is on the one hand. You know, you've got the official side of, of Davos. On the other, how do we create the right type of ecosystem and environment so that there are purpose-driven leaders, business leaders, but also on the so- social side of things that are coming to, to make a difference as well? Which is a perfect loop so we can come back to uh, the inception of Uplink. So is it what what you described earlier as the online platform uh, where you host your community, the Davos community, um, is it the inception of Uplink? Or is it applicating the evolution of that platform, or it's a different thing? It's it's, a, it's all part of the same digital ecosystem, um, and so there's like interoperability. And yeah. So when you say a user to yeah. go between the forum event app and the forum event online through to Uplink, we also have an intelligence platform called Strategic Intelligence, uh, and um, and a, a, a private side that you can have access to if you're a member or or part of the, one of the communities. So, so it all kind of comes together. Uplink, on the other hand, is the public side. It's yeah, free it's, and open I can to anyone. Come there and join. Yeah. You sign up. Um, we've got right now 55,000 people on the platform. About 15,000 of them have self-identified as entrepreneurs. About uh, 1,500 as investors, a similar amount as experts, 5,000 change makers. I feel like there's a lot of change makers here at Slush. You know, young people who want to be in this space, future entrepreneurs, people that want to work for an entrepreneur. Um, and and for us, it's, it's you know, I think a really pivotal part is that we're able to use this as a, as a vehicle for crowdsourcing the most interesting purpose-driven entrepreneurs and investors who we can then kind of bring into the forum's uh, tent, if you will. Yeah. Um, now, at the same time, we're trying to use the, the digital platform 
uh, to provide value for anybody that's on it. So d- regardless of if you're uh, selected or not as in, into one of our open innovation challenges that are run, you have the chance to actually um, network, um, explore. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur, you can find funds and investors. If you're an entrepreneur, and you can talk to them on the platform. You, you know, in fact, uh, we, we, that was one of the mistakes, I think, that we, we learned early on in the process. Um, and I think a lot of platforms make this mistake. They, they think that people will stay on their platform in yeah. order to connect. Mm-hmm. And so and they go to LinkedIn afterwards. Yeah, and so that's the flip. You know, we've oh, yeah. we've now made it really easy for if you were to sign up for up, on Uplink, you find my profile as an entrepreneur. Now it's really easy to to click on a one button and you find their profile on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and there is the possibility for to to have a chat on platform. But it's and not some really, people use it. Yeah. But it's you know I think people go to what they're used to. Yeah. So our, our so there's really two functions that we're looking at on the platform um, for its kind of killer app, if you will. On the one hand, end to end innovation sourcing platform. Uh, we think it's it's built in collaboration with uh, Salesforce technology. Uh, and uh, Deloitte is our systems integrator, but also providing strategy and branding support. Um, so end-to-end uh, innovation sourcing, uh, re- expert review, leveraging the, the kind of the community of experts and investors, and then selection committee. So all happens on platform, and that's something that actually can be used uh, more and more as a SaaS uh, yeah. option. So yeah. for any conference or organization that want to do their own innovation challenge, you can use Uplink. Uh, on the other hand, um, we look at it as uh, trying to inspire um, people to get involved in this in this movement. Uh, and our vision is really about creating a movement of entrepreneurs uh, for people and planet. And so we are looking to to you know the, the the top entrepreneurs, the top funds that we see are really innovative. We're looking to get exposure for them, and yeah. we create beautiful videos. We create uh, you know let's say tools that help people find each other match make uh, but also some AI recommendations about who you Ben should be connecting with based on your profile um, and that's all so that's all on platform and then you know we open up for the the top uh, entrepreneurs that are uh, that have been selected and are winners of each of the cohorts the World Economic Forum's uh, ecosystem and really in three ways one um, visibility and, and branding. So we, we through our digital channels, we tell stories about them. Second, we provide programming, um, mentorship, uh, and then lastly, access. Uh, so we'll be bringing 10 entrepreneurs to Davos in January, but we've got meetings that happen all around the world. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and depending on the SDG area that you're working on, we connect them to the initiative that the forum runs in that space for really the right type of event and community for them to get involved with. That's, that's bold. Uh, so... Coming back to the maybe the money side of things uh, quickly, when you say when we talk about members, um, are you like if I'm at Davos once, am I a member forever? When you're talking about members, you know, on the membership side of Davos, like on the private side, yep. Like, how do you stay there? How do you stay there? Yeah. So we, we the World Economic Forum is a, membership is based, a membership based right? organization. Mm-hmm. So there are annual um, partnership and membership opportunities. Yeah. Uh, and depending on how deeply you engage as a partner, it, it that'll give you certain access to the number of initiatives and the amount of access your executives can have to Davos. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so if, if you stop being a partner, you no longer have access. Yeah, to Davos. So I, okay. So that's yeah. clear. Uh, what is the ballpark numbers like for people who are like very new to this? Like the minimum number? Well, I think that's what's really interesting, right? We have this great ecosystem, so you can be a 
uh, for free uh, if you're a social entrepreneur. Yeah, young leader, for example. This young is global leader, thing. global shaper. Either we do a selection process each year and they're invited to take yeah. part. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, we have uh, Uplink, so entrepreneurs who also come for free. Uh, and then as the, the startups grow, they yeah. have the chance to come in. So we member. have a, an opportunity for unicorns to come in and it's around 60,000 uh, francs. Uh, as you get to be bigger companies, Swiss francs. Swiss francs. As you get to be bigger companies, uh, the price ranges grow quite a bit. I think our entry level partnership is around 150,000 uh, francs. That's what and, I always saw. It, it was the number that I would say about you guys. Yeah, it goes beyond that when it comes to our deepest level of, of engagement, for sure. Okay. Uh, I'm going to ask you uh, one of these questions. You know, I, I shared this you know, with you earlier about the role of events like the World Economic Forum. So we're recording this uh, here in Helsinki at Slush, but it's also happening at the same time with the climate summit, like uh, the COP27. And, you know, some people complain about the actual role and the actual impact into people's lives. So I can understand that initiatives like yours, in particular the one that you've been involved in your 15 years at uh, the World Economic Forum, have an impact on the people involved, like those change makers, those entrepreneurs, the social entrepreneurs, and so on. But people are questioning how how much of that is really translated into social impact for the rest of the planet mm -hmm. and you can think of you know the typical debate around private jets private sure. jets you know flying yeah. over to egypt and so on what's your opinion about this so i mean I, I think listen at the end of the day we need to bring to bring together people um convening is what we believe in as part of our philosophy and we do believe that you know sometimes you have to convene uh in ways um that that might have some negative externalities and you try to out, out balance them with the positive ones, right? Um, I think our organization believes, believes deeply in trying to forge human relationships as well, not just virtual and digital ones. Although, you know, we are trying to be cutting edge on that side as well. Uh, we're beginning to dabble into uh, Web3 and, and uh, a project that looks uh, into the metaverse. Yeah. Um, so there'll be a big booth in, in Davos that, that is looking into this and how can over the next five to 10 years we begin to go in that direction. Mm -hmm. I, you know, fundamentally, I don't really believe that anybody's going to put on a headset and be at Davos in their headset for three days in the same way that would be in, in person. Um, I've seen enough of our big global initiatives get to scale and have an impact in the world that I, I really do believe we're having to outside. Give me an example. Back. What you really, really are proud of from uh, an impact point of view? Yeah, a couple of them that, that I'd point to. Um, one that we're working closely with is called um, 1T.org, the Trillion Trees Movement. Okay. Um, and so this is a, a basically... Uh, 1T.org. 1T.org. Okay. Uh, and it's uh, it's looking to, to try to uh, tackle the climate challenge from a nature-based solution mm -hmm. perspective uh and while the kind of grandiose uh mission out there is to to re uh restore reconserve or grow a trillion trees it's really about the movement and kind of in that process of getting there so they, they have three big objectives on the one hand getting corporate pledges for uh for tree planting for tree restoration and so they've got now i think over 75 different corporate pledges uh they're into the hundreds of billions of trees that are, are pledged. So it's engaging the corporate sector. Um, by engaging them and making them pledge, they also then are part of the ecosystem that are investing in the technologies you need to verify uh, the planting that takes place, to mm -hmm. verify and look into the carbon credit offset market. Um, and so that, that kind of gets us to the second pillar of their work, which is about supporting what they've branded ecopreneurs. Um, okay, and, uh, <laughs> that's a new and, one. So, 
you know, those are business models that have a nature positive approach. Mm -hmm. um, and and that's uh, we're building out a movement of, of ecopreneurs. We've sourced about a thousand ecopreneurs. We've selected a hundred of them that we're looking to, to get to scale. And then the last element, the third kind of pillar of their, their work is all about regional chapters because um, it's, you know, it is a lot about helping countries on the ground uh, to figure out the, their replanting, their nature-based approach. And they have uh, a, a couple of big chapters um, uh, in the Amazon, in the Sahel, and across Africa, building the Great Green Wall, mm -hmm. in China, in India, um, and now just uh, in Mexico was just launched. Uh, 1T.org. 1T.org. So that's, that's one of them that I think is really... Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. And then what's the other one? Sorry. Uh, the other one that is is just actually making a, a big uh, wave uh, it, in Sharm El Sheikh right now. Um, and it was launched uh, a year ago in Glasgow uh, at the COP26 event uh, is, I think, a great example of where the corporate sector can can change uh, the demand for, for a lot of this uh, net zero future is, is called the First Movers Coalition. Um, and this begins to get into this question of how are we going to get to a net zero future if we don't have the technologies we need to do it. Uh, John Kerry, uh, the this, this former Secretary mm -hmm. of State, has talked about, um, and one that we pay attention to, 50% of the technology we need to get to net zero uh, hasn't been developed yet. There, the idea is there, the kernel is there, but we need to invest in it to get there. And what the First Movers Coalition does is it, it uh, aggregates the demand side of this equation. So companies are committing in eight hard-to-abate sectors to, uh, uh, the, to future investment in those technologies should they be ready. So now all of a sudden you've got, I think now they're up to 65 different companies who have pledged to these various industry sectors. Example, in the aviation um, mm -hmm. sector, how can we get sustainable aviation fuel? Well, you've got, I think, around uh, 35 companies who said, we're ready to purchase this fuel if it's ready, if it's, when if it it's comes. Out there, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so that got creates it. a demand side. And then we're in, as part of that, we're, we're partnering with people like Breakthrough Energy uh, and others to, to try to bring the supply of that technology to this marketplace. Um, so I think this is a nice one. It's, it's done in collaboration with the State Department and a few other uh, governments as well, uh, where you really see this private par uh, public uh, se sector engagement that can make a difference. That's inspiring. I'm already getting to the end of the interview, John. And where are you going to take us? Uh, where can we find you online? So uplink.weforum.org. That's weforum.org. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, let's see, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yourself. Are you like on TikTok? Where can I find Ooh, you? Ooh, TikTok, man. That's for people with less gray hair than me. Uh, I'm most prolific on, on LinkedIn. Try to find me there. Okay. Uh, John Dutton. You'll find me if you look for the World Economic Forum. Um, but it's been a real pleasure to, to get to know what you guys are up to here with uh, Same. Startup Sesame. Uh, yeah, great, great conversation. Really uh, happy to have you. Thank you uh, for your time. All right. Thanks, Ben. We're recording live from Helsinki at Slash 2022. Give a huge shout out to the whole Slash team for making this possible. Don't forget to subscribe to the selected podcast on your favorite platform so you get the next episodes. You can also join us on Sesame as the social network for tech events. See you there.